got the sit, one hand. Oh, he's got it! Oh, the post is broken, Matthews in it. Oh, talk about a he-man. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. This is your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. And thank you very much for joining us on This Is Your Football Life. The concept of this program is that we look forward to unearthing the stories of some of football's greatest names and finding out just what makes them tick. Indigenous Round next week celebrates the culture of this great land and the story of kids who've come from barefooted areas from the bush and made their legend on the biggest stage in the game. Today's guest is such a legend. He comes from a country town in Western Australia to stand tall on the greatest football stage of this mighty country. He's regarded as one of the greatest rovers the game has ever seen. He won three Sandover medals, seven Perth Best and Fairest, was All-Australian on two occasions. He was a member of three Perth Premiership sides. He won five Simpson medals. He's twice a North Melbourne Premiership player. He is a North Melbourne best and fairest. He is a rover in the North Melbourne team of the century. He is a rover in the Indigenous team of the century and an inductee into the Australian and Western Australian Football Hall of Fame. How about that for a list of achievements, folks? This man has done it all. Barry Cable, welcome to This Is Your Football Life. Thank you very much, Rex. Great to be on your show. You must be just absolutely so proud when I read out uh, those accolades that you've been given approaching, you know, 70 years of age. But what's your earliest memory as a barefooted kid up in the wheat belt? Um, Well, I suppose uh, very similar to a lot of the other kids at that time. Uh, As you know, we're going back a bit there. Um, And uh, yes, you're right, there was bare feet and... um, getting hold of a ball and kicking it around for as much as uh, you could and for as long as you could. Um, it was just really fantastic. Uh, in those days, as you know, you only, there was only a couple of really major sports, footy, cricket, um, and that was about it, really. In the country, you did a lot of other things, uh, but basically they were the two king sports, uh, cricket and footy. So, you know, once the winter came, you were into the footy and into the cricket in the summer. You obviously uh, showed uh, a great deal of ability. Uh, when was the first time that you can recall when people from the Big Smoke said, Barry, uh, we like your style. Would you come down and have a, have a training run with us? Uh, I would have been 17 because I was playing, um, I was a 16-year-old and I was playing league football in the bush at that time in the country. And uh, I would have been 17 when I was asked uh, to come down to Perth. And um, I did a uh, did a uh, um, early uh, season game, played a couple. Uh, they said uh, they would like me to stay, but I was doing an apprenticeship wintering in the country at the time, and I thought, no, I better stay there at least for another year, see what happens. But it, uh, it got the best of me, and uh, so I went down the following year. And as a young man, you got started winning uh, the medals that I've spoken about in '64 as a very young man. Before the AFL, the Waffle, the Sandful and the VFL, there wasn't a lot between them. And people say, oh, yeah, when the big V got hold of them, they killed them. But we used half of your players. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I always felt that at that time, every time we played Victoria, we were playing an all-Australian team. Because no doubt. Because the, 
the Vicks had, you know, players from South Australia and WA and from anywhere else as well as their own, where we basically just had a WA team. But, yeah, I was very fortunate. I mean, I played in a state side in WA. We beat Victoria over here. Um, I also had a... Um, I was fortunate enough to be in the Hobart Carnival in 1966, and we were actually favourites to win that, uh, which was... Uh, we, we had a great game against Victoria that time. Um, so, yeah, I, I was pretty lucky. We, we had some very good games against Victoria at that stage. And those carnivals that you speak out, they were just... Uh, it was just what young kids aspired to do. I, I remember talking to Royce Hart about it, you know what I mean? And the disappointment in a lot of people's minds that uh, that's no more because it was Western Australia, South Australia, Northern Territory, Queensland, New South Wales. It was a true national competition. And you, it, won, a t- you won a Tassie medal that year, which yeah, is the yeah, best player it, in the carnival as a very young man. That's right, in, in, in Hobart. Yeah, and I really look forward to that, as, uh, as you were saying with Royce, because I was the same when I was living in, uh, when I was in, in WA, um, I always wanted to play in a carnival side because that was sort of like the big thing at the time. And they were only every four years too, by the way, which meant that, you know, um, it was uh, quite an achievement to uh, to get into them, even if you got into two, because, you know, there's a four-year gap between them. Um, but I really look forward to it, I must say, and I'm sure that all the other boys did as well. And, uh, yeah, it was a wonderful thing. It was, it was one of the best parts of my footy career was that, was the Hobart Carnival. I wonder whether the, the carnival included the names of Baldock and Stewart or had they already gone to St Kilda and represented Victoria because they, together with Hudson, are probably, uh, with Royce Hart, the best uh, exports out of the Apple Isle. Yeah, they were fantastic. I can always remember uh, Baldock. He was one of my favourite players who played uh, for St Kilda and I always admired the way he played. And all the, those other two boys were fantastic. I mean, Hudson was a magnificent goal kicker. Pity they didn't have some today like him. Uh, Royce Hart was a great player. Uh, Ian Stewart, of course, played in the centre, three Brownlows. And also Brent Croswell came from there, who I played with uh, at, at North Melbourne. Yeah. So they, they had some great players from there. If you've just Absolutely. joined us, we're talking to a superstar, and I don't use that lightly. Barry Cable is just a star of the game. He's a legend of the game. He's just... A fantastic role model, but couldn't he play? Uh, let's go back to the domestic competition in Perth. Uh, did you run into a very young Graham Polly Farmer before he came to Geelong in 62, I think? No, it's funny. Um, our, our, our paths um, were separated because I went down to Perth in 1962. I started my career, and of course he came, uh, he went to Melbourne in 1962. Yeah. Uh, to play for Geelong. Uh, and in fact, he played for the team that I followed as a kid, was East Perth, under the leadership of Jack Sheedy, who was my number one football uh, man, because he was a rover, obviously, and I sort of really admired him. Um, but yes, uh, Graham went to Geelong in 1962, and of course, that was my first year down playing league football at Perth in 1962. I'm sure I can remember the uh, Melbourne paper, and in fact, the both Melbourne papers, having a photo of Graham Farmer uh, riding a bike, recovering from, I think, then was a cartilage. And uh, they sometimes were career-ending injuries. And yet, uh, uh, Barry, we see blokes coming back in five or six weeks now with sheep's livers inside them or whatever they are. <laughs> yeah, quite, I know. Quite incredible, isn't it? It's some oh, of the, yeah. it's, uh, and I remember, you would remember a fantastic centre-half back uh, called Jeff Pryor at Essendon, but yes. you'd also remember a similar player in Peter Stewart. 
Now, Peter Stewart was one of my great competitors. I always had trouble with both Pryor and Stewart, but Stewart's yeah. career was cut so tragically short because the, the medical... Uh, the, the 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 medical expertise just wasn't there then. But as I said, now it's a four or five week injury. Yeah, well, I know Peter. Uh, I know Peter quite well. I played with Peter in 1970 when I first did my first year at North Melbourne, and he was centre half back. Yeah. But also, we had a famous player over here, and he's one of the legends of our game. Is John Todd. Yes. He also did his knee as well in that era, and uh, he unfortunately never recovered either fully. Didn't John Todd? Uh, didn't Todd Tom? John Todd win a Sandover as a teenager? He did. He won it at, uh, he was uh, 17. Good. And he also played in the 1961 um, Carnival, which Western Australia won in Brisbane in 1961. Um, and it was just unfortunate that he did his knee as a young man, and I think he was still in his team. Yeah. And now. Yeah, he just never recovered. Barry Cable joins us. It's fantastic to him, for him to join us. We appreciate your time. Now, let's uh, cross the Nullarbor. Was it a phone call, a letter? Uh, was it only North Melbourne? Was it other sides? Because North at the time weren't a basket case, but they were around the bottom. And Barassi, who you were to star with in a couple of grand final victories, was uh, had defected to Carlton. So let's just go back into your memory bank and just recall the first approaches from across the Nullarbor. Well, I can give you an insight here because uh, this will be one that a lot of your listeners won't know about. But in 1964, when I won the Sandover medal here, Carlton approached me and um, because of Bert Deacon, who played uh, for Carlton, played centre-half back in the 1947 Premiership side. He did. With, with Ern Henfrey. Yes. And Ern Henfrey was a West Australian who went to and was posted in Melbourne during the war years. And he was my coach over here at Perth. So he got Bertie Deacon to come over. And I actually signed up with Carlton on the old Form 4 for two years <laughs> from uh, in 1964. So please, ex- actually... please explain to our people what an old Form 4 is. A Form 4 is now a cheque for about half a million dollars, mate, but the old Form That's 4 right. was written on a brown paper bag That's from it. your local greengrocer. That's about it. That's about <laughs> it. The old, Form 4, the old Form 4 lasted for two years, so when you signed it, you're sort of um, morally bound to that club for two years. I don't think it would have stood up, by the way, but that's what it was supposed to have done. And then it was in 1966 when we were in Hobart. I can always remember John Nichols came around and spoke to me and uh, was asking me to re-sign. And I'd sort of uh, made a decision then that, no, I didn't think I'd end up going to Melbourne anyway, so I didn't want to sign anything or be obligated. And um, they mentioned a few dollars. And I said no because I didn't want to be, you know, obligated in any way. So I never signed again. And yes. uh, I just kept hammering that one all the time to get other people off my back. And folks, every year, hundreds of people take out a fixed price funeral plan with Toman Brothers Funerals. And by doing that, they have the peace of mind of knowing that regardless of how long they live, the price they pay today is fixed forever. So why not celebrate your life with a fixed-price funeral plan from Tobin Brothers Funerals? We thank the Tobin Brothers sincerely for allowing us to bring to you some of the legends of the game and, more importantly, their stories. Out of the break, we join again Barry Cable, today's guest, and we'll be discussing North Melbourne and that incident that led to the end of your football career. Stick around on This Is Your Football Life. For Tobin Brothers folks celebrating lives, 
We'll be back shortly. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. You're listening to This Is Your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. And thank you very much. Welcome back. This is your football life with Barry Cable today. And we're discussing a remarkable career. And I don't want to embarrass a man on the phone, but we're talking to 404 games. To Perth, to North Melbourne, to East Perth. 20 for Western Australian stateside. And one for the Big V. And there was plenty of good times to come at Arden Street. But when you arrived, Barry... I believe the Kangaroos might have won the wooden spoon in 1970. Um, I, I, we would have been pretty close to it, Rex. I think we only won three games. Yes, but you, but also, but you, you then brought your Sandover Medal form, and you were a, a creditable fourth in in the prestigious Brownlow Medal. Yes, at that year, year 1970, and won North Ferris and Best, and I think also won the uh, the Truth Footballer of the Year that year. So. From a personal point of view, I was quite happy, but from a club point of view, I wasn't very happy. You know, I've spoken to a few young people along my time, and, uh, you know, I had the best seat in the house watching you when I was, you know, standing there at Richmond watching you carve us up. Uh, but the thing about it is that I've had some household names say to me, and I, and I won't embarrass them by saying who they were, I'm happy with my career, and because I didn't share a premiership doesn't really, uh, doesn't really worry me. I reckon these blokes need to get to the reunions that you and I get to, <laughs> yeah. and we and we we stand up in the twilight of our years, and with tears in our eyes, we talk about our premiership brothers. It, it's a very very special thing. I I think no matter how much money's involved in the game today, surely that's what we aspire to do: have friends for life on the greatest field in our game. Well, the thing is, you know, let's face it, I mean, you play football in a team situation to, you know, hopefully win as many games as you can to get, get into the finals. And then, obviously, you want to win the finals enough of those games to go into the grand final because the ultimate is the grand final. I mean, that's what it's all about from a club perspective, from an individual perspective. And uh, I've, in that sense, you know, I've been very blessed. I mean, you know, I played in three straight for Perth. I uh, got the opportunity to come to uh, Melbourne, played in five straight grand finals for North, winning two, two losses and one draw. And then I went back and coached East Perth to a premiership in 1978. So, you know, I have been very, very blessed in that area. But I agree with you entirely. It's That's what it is. That's the ultimate. You can't do any more than that in any team situation. Grand final, premiership, that's it. North Melbourne did it well, didn't they? I I, oh, yeah. I I don't know how long the ten year rule went for, but I I reckon Doug Wade, John Rantel, and the brilliant Barry Davis, who was Essendon through and through. How he ever switched over, I don't know. Well, I do know because it's called money. But it was just there was a window of opportunity to get three blokes who you could build a side around, and then complement it with the blokes like Dench, who was already there. You know, a great yeah, oh, young yeah. fullback. And yeah, also Keith Gregg, a dual Brownlow medalist, uh, yourself and Stan Elves, and all of a sudden you get the nucleus of a fantastic group of players with with a young Malcolm Blight coming on. You can't go wrong, can you? No, well, the thing was <clears throat> with Stan, I mean, I know Stan well, and he was fantastic, came from Melbourne, got his opportunity with us in 77, played in the grand final, and as you know, played on a wing and was a, a fantastic player, Stan, and a lovely bloke, might I add. And with Wade Davis and Rantel... 
Uh, and then you, you nominated the other boys, which was Schimmelbush, who's a terrific player, yes. David Dench, Keith Gregg. Yeah. They had the nucleus of some very, very good young players at that time. And what they needed was, a bit like Great Western need at the moment, is a, is a few uh, old heads around the place who can sort of really guide a lot of these young blokes. And that's what happened at North. And, of course, uh, the people that were involved in that, Ron Joseph, of course, is a very great friend of mine. Um, and I, I can tell you this now, honestly, Rex, it was the only reason I went to North Melbourne. I went to North Melbourne basically to just help them achieve what they wanted to achieve. It was as simple as that. It had nothing to do with money. Folks, this is your football life, and thanks for tuning the dial. It doesn't matter where in the world you happen to be, you can still attend the funeral of a relative or friend via a Tobin Brothers Funerals webcast. You can view a funeral service taking place at any venue in Victoria in real time or within 30 days of it happening by going to tobinbrothers.com.au on your iPad, iPhone, PC or your laptop. And we're talking with the great Barry Cable. I now want to talk about the tragedy that ended your career. Do you have a clear recollection of the day when the tractor rolled on you and you said, I'm in all sorts of trouble here? Can you take our listening audience through the absolute trauma and terror in seeing your life flash before your eyes? Well, it certainly did, I must say. Um, Yes, I I did. I I was up early one morning and I went up to my property. I had 10 acres um, up the road and um, uh, just a bit of a hobby farm. Got up there early in the morning, started the uh, tractor, uh, and because I was new and everything to it, it was just something I wanted to do. Um, turn the old motor over, and uh, I was in front. I got cranked that it was one. It was a bit of an old crank job, which I liked. It was old-fashioned, old but of course I didn't realise that when I cranked it, she actually kick-started first shot, and uh, really pushed me hard up against the wall, which I got away from. Thank God, otherwise it would have crushed me. Um, but in doing that, I was in a bit of a shock, and I went to turn the key off, and as I did, I flung my foot around and got caught underneath the big uh, one of the knobbly wheels at the back and pulled me under. Oh. And unfortunately, that was it. I couldn't get out, and it chewed my... It just... It's what they call convulsed. It convulsed all my leg from my... Um, it tore the calf right off the bone. Mm. So, so obviously blood loss, obviously oh, a, a, a shock... You're there on your own. Yep. Uh, how did you actually survive? Did um, someone find you? Yeah, well, yeah, well, I mean, with a lot of accidents, as you know, you go into a bit of a shock and everything, but I think being in the old footy industry, you're not too bad because you get bashed around a fair bit. So it was like uh, being bashed by about 10 blokes all at one shot, though. And, uh, you know, I realised that if I didn't uh, stay, you know, calm and everything, I was gone because I was up there on my own and... I knew the neighbour next door. I wasn't sure whether they're home or not or whatever. And so once I got myself together, I just started yelling for help. And fortunately for me, um, one of the guys down the road heard me and uh, came up. He didn't want to come up at first because he felt that the cry was from somebody that sounded really badly oh, hurt or injured. Gee. And he didn't know what to expect. Yeah. And, of course, when he got up there, he nearly fainted anyway. Because yeah. you can imagine my leg was completely exposed to the bone. Yeah. Uh, so, so a humongous uh, recovery. Yep. And then uh, your young family starts to make their way in life. Uh, tell us about... Uh, the pressure that your two boys are under simply because of their surname. I've spoken yeah. to the likes of John William Noel Newman, who you know yeah, as Sam Newman. I do, yeah. I've, I've spoken to Graham uh, uh, Studley Corns. Yes. 
Was the pressure the same for your two young lads? Oh, I think it is for anyone, Rex, whether you're in footy or, or, or business or music or whatever. Um, but let me just say this. Uh, when I first... Um, I, I met my wife back in 1959. Now, that's going back a while. So yeah. that was before all my football career started. So Helen's been with me in all that time. We've been together for 54 years that's now. sensational. And she's been she's been absolutely fantastic. She's been really the strength of uh, with myself and the family. Yeah. So when that actually happened, um, she, again she was fantastic. I mean she really took control, uh, looked after the boys um, because I was in hospital then for four months, couldn't get out at all, couldn't even get out of the bed for four months. Um, and um, yeah, it was just one of those things that uh, people go through. And uh, it was just a, a, a real hard time uh, of our family. Yes. But at the same time, you know, it's the old story, mate. You all pull together when things get tough. And what do they say when the tough when the, when the well, game gets yeah, tough? Well, the tough get going. Exactly. Steve <laughs> Steve Waugh's got a great one. I think he made three yeah. or four ducks in a row before he went yeah, to Sydney, that, and he, he showed him. He said, right. "He said it's not how you celebrate victory and wave to the crowd. No, it's how you stand up." After adversity, absolutely. But, but doesn't that make absolutely. you a better person? And isn't that a great uh, role model for your kids to see you uh, in these situations? But then get up and get on with it instead of feeling sorry for yourself. Unfortunately, like a lot of people do. Oh, absolutely. And uh, you know, one of my sayings has always been: it's not what happens to you; it's how you handle what happens to you. Because I can guarantee this to anybody: there's always something that's going to happen to you. And if it, has, if it hasn't happened to you at the moment, it will do because uh, there's always something that's going to come up and prop up in your life, whatever that might be. And it's how you handle it is the key to the type of person that you are. Well, it's just been great for uh, to join us. Uh, I'm just watching a bloke called Lance Franklin running around. He's he's on $74,500 a minute, and he's dropping chest marks, mate. So how'd, uh, how'd it be if, if, if blokes like you and Ian Stewart and Baldock were playing today, mate? You'd own half that coast where you come from. Well, the thing is, I can, I'm just trying to think about how much money. I'm not sure how much it was that John was uh, given to, was asking me to, to take in 1966. But yep. uh, I don't think it was very much. I can tell, I can tell you that. Just amazing. But uh, the memories will last forever with you and your family. Uh, it's been great of you to join us. You know, I'm just a tragic for this game and the history of it. And as I said in my opening, uh, I think we've got to make this special. And you've joined our very, very special list of people uh, in This Is Your Football Life. And, of course, when the history of the game is written, you'll take your rightful place in the history of AFL football and also the history of this great country for your contribution both on and off the field. And Barry Cable today, we thank you for being our special guest on This Is Your Football Life. Thank you very much, Rex, and I'd like to thank you and your listeners. I appreciate very much. Thank you very much, and uh, I'll just let Barry get off the line there. Now, now, folks, that's what an Australian is all about. You see him running around the ground with his Sandover medals. You see him running around the MCG with his Premiership medallions. And here he is laying under a Massey Ferguson tractor, bleeding to death, and he gets up, and he goes back, and he has another go. Wraps up his leg and pulls himself out and says, I'm going to be surviving this, no problem. Folks, this has been This Is Your Football Life thanks to Tobin Brothers Celebrating Lives. If you'd like to hear the extended version of this interview, check out facebook.com forward slash Tobin Brothers Funerals or follow us on Twitter at Rex Football Life. And yibbity yibbity folks, join us next week from 7.30am on a Sunday morning on 1116 SEN.